Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 109. We took last week off because there was nothing to talk about at all, really. There was like two discussion topics, and that's about it, and we were really reaching. Plus, I was just super, super busy with work. Uh, And then the movie gods were just like, here is everything. Um, We have so much to talk about. Most of it good. Some things I'm the definition of on the fence and I might be a party pooper about, but Michael, how are you doing tonight? Uh, well, uh, personally, I, I, I felt better uh, personally. I'm, I'm a little under the weather, but don't worry. I'm not contagious. Um, but uh, no, we're doing well. This has been a very, very strange week in the movie news realm. Uh, I am very much like you conflicted on many fronts so i can't wait to get started uh but before we get into anything um michael you watching or reading anything good this week uh well uh i'm continuing back through my obviously my very beloved series the west wing before it leaves netflix uh here on december 24th in which uh, oh where's it going michael uh, oh yes uh, uh, hold that thought (laughs) um but i uh i have the next movie night planned with my father so this is going to be a preview. Uh, I've never seen A Few Good Men, mm. and I, I know it's iconic. So my dad uh, like uh, The Hunt for Red October, which he has quoted his entire life. We were going to sit down and watch that. I don't know if it's going to be this week, but it's going to be before Christmas. So I'm really looking forward to giving my retro review. We're on, again, we're on this 80s and 90s film kick, which is, you know, it's insane to say those are 30 and 40 years ago now. Uh, so they are kind of like classic cinema. A Few Good Men, for those that don't know, that's the one where Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson are on the side of the burst Khalifa, um, uh, basically accusing each other of not being good men while all the stunts were done practically. And Michael's... The, just, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know a whole lot about this film. So, okay, no, uh, no. Was that a, oh, was that a joke? <laughs> Michael, this movie is a drama, Michael. Oh, okay. <laughs> No one is hanging on the side of buildings. Not this time. I know it has something to do with, like, uh, you know, the courtroom. I'm like, all the stunts, like, what? Does a bomb (laughs) go off or something? Like, I'm trying to figure this out. It's a bad Mission Impossible joke. Um, Hmm. I've been watching, uh, Heather and I have been revisiting the Lord of the Rings trilogy because I got the extended edition 4Ks. So, um, we are splitting it up because by the time I get home, it's like, six or six thirty and heather's got to be up early so sure. we're not doing it as three individual movies as much as i would like to we're doing it uh we're watching a disc a night so since it's okay. the extended edition whenever the disc is done that's our movie so instead of three really long movies it's six normally length movies um looks excellent it's oh it's yeah. It's just wonderful. That, that's the question. So, like, is there a massive difference between the 4K and the actual just regular Blu-ray? Uh, I would say, but also I have the DVD, the special edition, like, hard case oh DVDs. So it's a big step up for me. Uh, my dad has a Blu-rays, um, and I thought the Blu-rays looked fine, but not as good as they could be. This, it's not, like, the crispest, like, thing you'll ever see out there, like uh, oh, Justice sure. League or Avengers. Um but it's still for 2001 to 2003 it looks phenomenal like textures um just skin tones look correct uh just excellent looks fantastic um 
So where, where did you pick this up on how much of the rest, like regular consumers, including myself, uh, expect to find it and pay for it? Uh, I did a little bit of bouncing around first because I was trying to find it at Best Buy because Best Buy has this uh, special edition steel book, which good luck finding that. Um, and then I tried to find it at Walmart and Walmart had completely no stock of it whatsoever. But then again, I checked the day it came out and Walmart is typically bad about stocking their movies the day they come out. Um, and I eventually found it at Target. Um, so I found it at Target okay. after a while. Um, I think it was 90 bucks somewhere okay. around the ballpark. Uh, but I don't believe it has the special features. They're coming out with one in a few months that has the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, both extended editions, with all the special features in one big set. But I'm going, I already have the special features on the uh, the DVD copy, so I can always just go back and watch those. Um, something we might talk about for our main discussion is, I would like HBO Max to have the special features for some of their movies, like Disney Plus does. Um, I don't need all of them, but some behind the scenes i think would be a cool feature to add for the streaming service in the future but um any excuse to revisit lord of the rings is good in my book absolutely considering i mean i i had i read the interview with peter jackson giving his detail on these and what they had to do and considering the um real principal photography began in 99 for crying out loud to be able to go back and actually you know improve upon um these not just the effects but like you said the lighting uh, on some of these scenes the way that you know a director can envision uh, much like james cameron waits for technology now we can use technology to go back and say if i had another shot it made, made another 10 minutes in the editing room with this this is what i would do so it's actually really encouraging to have seen that interview but then hear your feedback because I, I didn't even know this was coming because I, I bought the Blu-rays just last year. But now I'm thinking, well, like you just said, there's I mean, not that I need an excuse to go back and watch them, but 4K. Oh, mm -hmm. boy. And I, I have a nice OLED TV that's a 4K HDR set. So I'm like, oh, man, like I can't imagine what some of those night scenes would look like, especially even with The Hobbit. I mean, I know The Hobbit's down like most universally agreed it's a downgrade in quality but still some of the effects i can imagine look pretty good or um, will look pretty good another. yeah i keep pretty close tabs on new releases especially for remaster stuff like hop lord of the rings was the like the one that was like i need this to be remastered because it's been in the works forever uh i still have a couple others and i'm like i need somebody to do this like i'm still waiting and i think it's might come out next year uh a 4k remaster of indiana jones um, but also oh it still bothers me to this day that there is no 4k version of the Shawshank Redemption. I would mm -hmm. love to see Shawshank in mm -hmm. 4k. Uh, but before we get into our main, uh, topics, cause boy, we've got some big ones. Uh, mm -hmm. I've also been reading something. I've just finished reading a quick little, um, mini, mini story, uh, a Superman Elseworld story, if you will. Uh, called Superman's Secret Identity. So basically, it's about this kid named Clark Kent, who his parents name him that more or less because they kind of hate him because they're Kents that live in Kansas. And they're just like, wouldn't it be funny if your name was Clark Kent because you're from Kansas and you're a Kent? And so this kid like kind of gets picked on and everyone kind of expects him to be Superman, even though he's a regular kid. So he's like us of that in his world, in his planet. Superman oh, okay. is a fictitious character, except one day he magically gets the powers of Superman. And so it's basically the Superman story, except without any Kryptonian back lore or any major villains like Brainiac, Lex Luthor. It's like, what if the Superman 
actually existed in our real world and was a person trying their best to do the right thing while also hiding themselves from the government. And it's a very human story. I was like, this is really, really good. And so it's not just like a, I have these powers for a year. It more or less follows this dude's life in its entirety of when he gets his powers, when he's a kid, all the way up to when he's basically a grandpa and, spoiler alert, gets to fly with his grandkids because they inherit his powers too. Um, mm. And he's like, I'm wow. not as strong as I used to be and I can't fly as fast as my kids, but I've had a good run. Like, it's this concept of, like, even though you're a superhero, you still age like everybody else because you're, at the end of the day, a human that somehow, it's never explained, he just gets his powers. It's a really fun and unique Elseworlds type Superman story. And I was like, this... What's surprisingly emotional and just it's very human and it was just like oh wow this is this is something special it's not talked about as much but if you can find it check out superman's secret identity it was so good i was very surprised is this part of like dc comics like uh like canon now uh no it's probably an elseworld i would consider an elseworld story oh okay but right. sorry for the for the elementary people among us uh, speaking for them okay uh, that that is that is very curious. Do they actually give an explanation of as to how he gets them? Does it just like, nope. or does he just wake up one day? He just wakes up one day and can fly. Oh, okay. Now that would uh, that would be something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, let us get to our main discussion, our main news oh, topics. Before we get into our discussion, so something happened today as we're recording this. I was like, okay. We're set on news topics. There's nothing else that really is going to be that big, I don't think. Oh, okay. Cue the Shrek mean. Somebody wants, as the news just burst through the door, not even caring about me having all my graphics done and everything else. Um, Because we know Spider-Man 3 is currently filming, whatever that is. I'm putting it on record right now. Uh, by the time we come back for next week's podcast episode, we will be discussing the Spider-Man title. I feel like that will drop sometime this week possibly december 10th december 10th is going to be a big news day keep that circled folks um but they're currently filming spider-man 3 and it seems like there might be some details that are too big that might have been eventually leaked out so they wanted to get out in front of this now as alfred molina doc ock himself is reprising his role from sam raimi's spider-man 2 in the new spider-man movie as doc ock I am the definition of conflicted on this because the more and more I'm hearing about this movie, I'm still so on the fence of I loved the Spider-Verse animated movie and I would love to see an end of the Spider-Verse type live action movie, but I still think it's way too soon in this because we are still trying to get Tom Holland's Spider-Man out of the Iron Man shadow and I feel like we were starting to make some headway with that with uh far from home which admittedly is definitely lower tier spider-man for me i was kind of disappointed with it and was kind of hoping this one would be a bounce back um i don't think this will be a bad movie but i am starting to get worried that this thing is going to be kind of bloated because we've got jamie fox returning as electro now we've got alfred molina coming back as doc ock and i'm not going to state it here i won't say it and like some other people are saying Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are not confirmed at this time. There's an article going out by Collider saying that they have been confirmed to be returning. The wording in it 
it's pretty evident that they have not confirmed it yet, but it's looking more and more likely. I believe they will return, but it's not confirmed yet that they are returning. So add them into the mix. This is going to be a very, very crowded movie. Now, Marvel, on the flip side, has had very crowded movies before, and they've made it work. Infinity War has a bunch of characters, and it still works very cohesively. Civil War, as much as Josh hates it, is very cohesive for the number of people involved in it. Endgame has a ton of people involved. Um, So it could be just a large-scale Spider-Man story with a lot of people, and Marvel balances things out very, very well. On the flip side of it, though, and here's where my just my negativity kind of sleeps in, and I try to be positive, but this it is, but it isn't a Marvel property. This is still a Sony property, and Sony is the definition of hit or miss when it comes to their Spider-Man franchise. They, sure. it's always that darned third movie. Whenever we get to that, they're just like dump everything in the pot. Um, I, I. And should be excited about this. I should be because Doc Ock is my favorite Spider-Man villain of all time in the comics and in the movies. Alfred Molina, I thought was fantastic, almost perfect. Any role, there's room for improvement. If he does join in this movie, there's certain checklists that I'll talk about in a little bit of things I would like to see slightly tweaked or improved, and they're just minor cosmetic changes. Um, I should be excited, but I'm still so hesitant because this doesn't feel... As much as people are just like, oh, this sounds awesome. This doesn't feel like the traditional Marvel movie in a sense of it doesn't feel like it's been set up in the previous movies. It just feels like, and I have a theory, and I'll break out the tinfoil hat in a little bit. I feel like there's a reason why this doesn't feel particularly set up. It might not be what you all want to hear, but it's just my theory. Um, But before we get into that, Michael, you see Doc Ox, Alfred Molina's coming back. Thoughts? Uh, Well... I think it's cool. It's a little nutty. However, maybe to add a little bit of encouragement that just be, let's just, let's just posit this. Let me, so let me be as clear as possible. Let's make an assumption. Let's, let's go all the way and say that uh, Alpha Merlina hundred percent is like, like obviously that's the story and Jamie Foxx, but then we're also going to rope in Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, okay? Well, let's say that it's just going to be this big melting pot. It's going to seem into the Spider-Verse-esque, okay? Uh, well, why would we assume that that's the entire story and not set up either at the very end of the movie as a tease or the infamous post credit scenes? Like, why are we jumping to the conclusion that this would be a main title and main, or excuse me, a main part of the story instead of exactly like you are describing an a actual Spider-Man movie that is independent, that deals with the repercussions of JJ's uh, admission on live TV and that, you know, deals with him and Mary Jane and him being a hero and coming into his home. And then as a fun tease for the future, you get this, whatever this is. I, I, I guess for me, that's how it seems, but I don't know what you tease something there with, with what your theory. So I don't know if that goes with your theory, but for me, I don't really want to jump to the assumption that that's exactly what this is going to be. It's just going to, they're going to try to capitalize on why into the spider verse was so popular. Now we're going to try to capture lightning in a bottle and live action. Like that, that does feel like a Sony move that does not feel like a Marvel move. And maybe you're, I guess I'm really curious. Maybe you're 
talking about a potential riff there and, and source sourcing material and content and rights. Yep. And so I don't know, but I don't, I don't want to assume that it's going to be a part of the main story. So now I have my tinfoil hat on and it's to, literally to be the bearer of what I think might be some bad news. Well, it is bad news. I'm saying it might be because it, it's not confirmed. It's just my theory, my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory here. I think this is the movie and the way that they set up Tom Holland's Spider-Man's exit from the MCU. Because, because, remember last year, at this time last year, Disney and Sony had that very public divorce of Spider-Man. And they said, okay, we came to an agreement. There's going to be one more Spider-Man movie and one more um, Marvel movie that Spider-Man appears in. And we more or less have kind of gotten some confirmation that Spider-Man will be in the multiverse of madness. So maybe those stories are somehow connected. And if this feels rushed, maybe it's because this was not part of Kevin Feige's plan and he's had to turn a quick corner to cleanly wrap up a way for Spider-Man to exit the MCU. Now, I don't want this to be true, but we've heard no confirmation from either MC from either Marvel or Sony that they are renewing their deal once these new movies are done. I got more of the impression of we're going to find a way for there to be a timely exit for Spider-Man in a way that makes sense. Um, I don't want this to be the case because I want them to, the MCU to continue to make good Tom Holland movies and continue to evolve the character and hopefully maybe someday get him to be the version of the Spider-Man that we know and love. I just keep getting this as so long as spider-man belongs to somebody else for the film perspective i will always be worried that he'll be gone from the mcu and i can't get that sneaking suspicion out of my head that the reason that this feels so rushed for a movie is one end of the spider-verse did so well so sony's going well we got to do that for live action form because that's very sony and they have a tendency to do that and two now that they're starting to do their other Spider-Man projects, they really want Spider-Man back. And after that verbal sparring between the two, I think a lot of people were mad, and myself included, that the split initially happened. I know they came back to the table and eventually worked something out. A lot of people were mad because it would automatically just yank Spider-Man out of the MCU with no rhyme or reason. This movie would theoretically give Kevin Feige a way to explain why Spider-Man would be all of a sudden gone. Then, a few years down the road, if something happens and the rights to Spider-Man do come back to Marvel, then they can go back to that multiverse and bring him back in. I don't want this to be true. But knowing how Sony and Disney have been on shaky ground at times... That's just my theory, and I want to be wrong here. Michael, convince me that I'm wrong here. I was like, okay, so to, how do you clean up the A-bomb that you just dropped um, in this theory? Um, okay, so possible explanation. As people know, this is an industry, they want to maximize return on their investment. Okay? They want to make a profit, they want to make as much money as possible. And you can do that by garnishing up hype uh, and, you know, stirring up emotion and passion. So 
do I think at the end of the day that Marvel and, and Disney, or excuse me, um, you know, Marvel and Sony came together and were ever going to not allow uh, Tom Holland to be in the MCU? No, by no, by no means, because there's too much money in it. Uh, for me, that was a, you know, a public divorce. It was public. It got people's attention. They talked about it. It was a topic of conversation for weeks. That's all. I mean, even if it's quote unquote bad press, people were talking about it. People knew about it. It drives it drives people out to theaters to see said content because you don't know if it's going to be the last one. You want to be a part of history, right? So for me, that was all noise. Like, of course, he was. They're they're not going to end it that way. One that would be a PR disaster, and then the main thing because it would be um, such a stupid decision financially. Look how much money these films make, and look. How, I mean, how much how much did um, Homecoming and Far From Home make versus Amazing Spider-Man one and two? Uh, you know the box office returns there. Uh, Far From Home, I know for a fact made a billion. Um, but I attribute that yeah. to being the first movie after Endgame, more so than the quality of the movie. It's not a bad movie. I just think um, the most successful movies in the MCU are either Avengers movies or movies that come right after an Avengers movie. Iron Man 3, for prime example, made a billion dollars. Um, Captain Marvel made close to a billion or made a billion dollars because people thought that that was a direct lead-in to Avengers Endgame, which it turned out not to be. So that was a big old which, dick move still, there. at the end of the day, they're making money. Yes. And, and so the fact that they have the character and that was going to be the movie, it would be a terrible decision for them to just ice the deal. But like it would be, it would be a terrible decision. So, but see, here's I, I where I'm not. Here's where I disagree. I'm not too worried about it. Sony, I think Sony has had a taste of success uh, because Venom made over eight hundred million dollars. So they're going, well, we did one without you. So That's thanks. So right. Uh, knowing That's... Sony, they've had a little bit of taste of, oh, we did it without you. We're fine. You fix it for us. Um, we'll go on a merry way. Like, Spider-Man was broken basically after Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Marvel had to fix it. Now that he's fixed again, I believe Sony would be like, well, thanks. We'll, we'll take our toy back like a kid who just broke their toy and brought it to their dad. Now that the dad's fixed it, they run off and go and break it again, probably because they've assumed, okay, we know what we're doing now as you jam pack a whole bunch of people into this. Again, I want to be excited. I love Doc Ock. I love Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. Um, I said... There's some things I would like to change. I'm a purist. I know that. Uh, we know we're getting Jamie Foxx's Electro. I want him in the green and yellow. I don't need the, the starfish mask, but I want him in the green and yellow. Right. And Doc Ock, if he's coming back, I want him with the goggles and the bowl cut. I don't need him in a full green spandex, but it would be nice. Uh, but I want him with the goggles and the bowl cut. Now, um, it's not a full tinfoil hat theory, but quasi so i'm not gonna put the hat back on for this but um i think it's interesting that other than green goblin even then that's kind of not the same for technicality we've almost never had duplicate spider-man villains and one that's because spider-man has such a great rogues gallery i think it'd be interesting if these villains like um alfred molina's doc ock or jamie fox's electro are in tom holland's world but what i'm actually going to propose is they're the villains of each other's verse, uh, versions of Spider-Man. So Doc, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is the Doc Ock from Andrew Garfield's universe. And Jamie Foxx's Electro is Electro from Sam Raimi's 
Spider-Man trilogy. Oh. oh, okay. Because we never saw Electro in that original trilogy. No, that's we never right. saw. We never, did. we never saw or had any reference to Doc Ock in Amazing Spider-Man. So everyone kind of assumes that they may already exist in the Tom Holland world. Maybe there's a more clever way to do that. I think these... Obviously, these guys are not playing their original versions. Doc Ock drowned and Electro evaporated into electricity. Granted, energy can never be destroyed, um, created nor destroyed. There's your science lesson for the day. So he's probably still out there somewhere. He could probably trans, like travel across dimensions. But these are clearly going to be different versions of these characters. Um, I just think it'd be interesting if they come opposite of what we would expect. That was like the one question I had is like, if they are coming back at these capacities, what roles are they actually doing? And your explanation just there makes complete sense. Um, a complete sense. I, I still need to ask you though. I mean, taking your point there, setting it aside, does this have to mean though that the, like the A plot of the film revolves around this multiverse or can it just be a tease at the end of the movie? I think at this point, if it was just Jamie Foxx's Electro or just Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, then maybe, just maybe, they would be an end credit. But then again, we didn't know the J.K. Simmons thing um, in Far From Home until the movie came out. So they would have done a much better job of keeping that secret if that was an end credits. So I think it has to be something multiverse related. I do think we're going to get Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire at some point. But I said earlier, and I said it again... It has, at the time of recording this, it has not officially been stated by any reputable sources. Collider is stating it, but if you read the article, their wording makes it kind of come across more as an assumption than actual confirmation. I think we will get that news sometime soon, and I'm marking it now. By this time next week, we will have a title for Spider-Man, as well as some other news. Next week will be very jam-packed, I promise you that. So, does the order of release, does the Multiverse of Madness come out before this third Spider-Man film? It is it is the movie that immediately follows it. Oh, boy. So, okay. they, well. I, I'm sure they're guaranteed. But also, again, remember, in the Multiverse of Madness is directed by former Spider-Man director Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Stop. Okay, stop. Let's move on. Like, I don't want to think. Don't want to even want to end. I don't even. No, I'm done. I'm not going to think about this, about him leaving. I don't want to talk. No, I'm done. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the lovely Haley Steinfeld instead? Uh, sure. Why, why not? Haley Steinfeld's great. Um, as it's been like the worst kept secret in Marvel history that Haley Steinfeld is probably going to be in the Hawkeye series as the character Kate Bishop. Well... Now we can confirm that as Haley Steinfeld as confirmed for the Hawkeye series as the character Kate Bishop. Um, it's nice to have this confirmation. It really is just because it's, like I said, been the worst kept secret in Marvel um, that she's been approached. Normally we wouldn't talk about set leaks. So if they hadn't made an official confirmation, wouldn't have said anything. But now that Hawkeye is filming, we've seen her on set. But also they finally came out and said, yes, she is going to be in the Hawkeye series Florence Pugh, who is in the Black Widow movie and presumably taking over the role of Black Widow from um, Natasha, will also be in the Hawkeye series. And then uh, The Conjuring's Vera Farmiga will be playing um, Kate Bishop's mom. I'm looking at this cast. I'm all for it. Hawkeye is not my favorite MCU character, but he's not my least favorite by any stretch of the imagination. Um, 
I'm looking forward to this for two reasons. Um, one, there's some stuff that we've seen in the set photos that just make me excited. Um, I'm not going to talk about them here because I don't like to talk about set photos because those aren't officially released stuff. When they come out with official information about stuff regarding Hawkeye himself, that kind of gets me excited because it's going back mm-hmm. to the more comic style. But two, it comes down to Haley Steinfeld. I'm such a huge fan of hers because um, more often than not, when she's attached to something, it means quality. Like, mm-hmm. whoever her agent is picks, like, excellent stuff for this girl to be in. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse, when she was Spider-Gwen. Bumblebee. Uh, True Grit. Come on. Um, and even though I didn't particularly enjoy the movie, I thought she was one of the best things about Ender's Game. Um, I love almost everything that she's in. She picks excellent things to be in. She's got great um, discernment, I guess in terms of projects to attach herself to like she re- rarely if ever is anything in anything bad plus she's excellent in whatever i see her in and i really enjoy seeing her in more stuff so welcome to the mcu officially finally Haley steinfeld uh what do you think about her casting michael yeah it never a mistake to to add uh, talented people and i'm just curious of the role uh, here because like yeah i was a huge fan of her uh, and a fan of her her uh, singing talents as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Which, the thing is, what what's her role going to be? I mean, is is she is she trying to play his daughter or a relative? So, or uh, Kate Bishop is more or less the person that Hawkeye trains to be the next Hawkeye. It's not. Oh, it's, excuse me. It's okay. not his. It's, it's not his daughter. Think of it more like um, Speedy for the Green Arrow type, or Robin to oh. Batman, kind of. Okay. Like it's more of a mentor mentee type of role. Um, so the fact that she's younger, you know, and like Hawkeye's married and everything, like I'm just curious though, like how does he meet her then? We'll find like out the on country. the show. Um, but uh, also, okay. for those that want to know, uh, look up some of the set photos. She has an adorable dog that's going to be part of the show too, and that's always a win. Cute dogs will always get you somewhere. Um, I, I'm just looking forward to this because I don't know. I think there's. They're clearly going in the new uh, Young Avengers direction uh, with her, potentially uh, Morgan or Iron Lad. Um, I think there's some interesting potential there. Plus, um, Michael, do you know how many times the word Hawkeye has been said in the MCU so far? Uh, None. Or maybe, no. As far as I know, once. Once? Was that in Thor? Nope. Nope. That. The only time we've heard it, off the top of my head, the only time he's ever said it was right before his family got snapped and he's teaching his daughter how to shoot the arrow. He says, good shot, Hawkeye. That is the only time we've heard Hawkeye. We got close in the first Avengers movie when Selvig says, oh, the hawk? He's up in his nest. It's in his nest. Okay. They've, ne- they've almost never, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but they've never actually called Clint Barton Hawkeye. They always just call him Clint. So maybe, just maybe, they're saving the proper name of Hawkeye for Haley Steinfeld's character. Just like how we've never actually seen Wanda Maximoff be called Scarlet Witch yet. Maybe they're saving that for the WandaVision series when she officially earns that title. Just the thought. Yeah, that, yeah you know, I now that I'm thinking about it... Uh, if if you are, I mean, yeah, you may be corrected in the comments, but even if not, it, that is something that talk about playing the long game. 
mm-hmm. um, here. It actually just continues to, you know, unravel the genius mind of Kevin Feige and how he's interwoven these stories. I mean, and these are, you know, these are decades long and saying we're going to set this up and we're going to do it and have the financial backing and the trust of the people over him to do it. I mean, that is, it's a magnificent undertaking uh, to, to, to see that type of trust displayed. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. I will say for these series, I, I will, I will say I'm not as hyped as I was for say like the Mandalorian. Um, not because it's any lack of interest in like the actual universes, but it, it's just, I, I don't know what they're going for yet. Uh, I think star Wars, we, we had this like hope of like, please go there. And then they gave us that uh, well, here. I'm not, not entirely sure. Um, so I, what what are the first, and for those who might not track uh, as much as, as you do, what what is the first shows and when are they coming out in 2021? The first Disney Plus series is WandaVision. That'll drop January 15th. And I imagine, okay. they haven't outright stated it, I don't think, but I'd imagine it'll be like The Mandalorian of new episodes every week. Um, and then after that, we have uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I believe has wrapped filming and we're starting to get some promo material for that. Uh, and then this, because Hawkeye is currently filming right now in New York. Um, and then we should be getting Miss Marvel, I believe, after that. Miss Marvel, and then maybe She-Hulk, or Moon, maybe Moon Knight, because, as we can transition into our next topic very smoothly after this, Moon Knight stars Oscar Isaac, but Oscar Isaac is also busy being the new Snake Plissken in a Metal Gear Solid movie. So... Hmm. I'll be the first to admit, I know next to nothing about Metal Gear Solid. It's not a game that I ever played. I don't care, though, because I love Oscar Isaac so much. You could tell me that there's a movie coming out starring Oscar Isaac sitting down in a chair, just staring at you for two hours while he reads the phone book, and I will be there opening weekend. That man is fantastic in everything. If you've only seen him in Star Wars, do yourself a favor and check out his other stuff, because he's outstanding. Ex Machina, I don't know if you've seen that one or not. Michael, that seems up your alley. I have seen, uh, I've seen the parts, I've seen not the entire film, but I've seen... The parts that are that are not explicit. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But uh, anything with Oscar Isaac, I am there in a heartbeat. And also, looking at this little uh, nice little graphic that I put that's up there, that's really good, man. I thought Thanks, hey, man. that's that's pretty impressive. Doesn't that get you hyped, man? It, it does. I mean, as somebody who enjoys his video games from now now and then, I've actually never played Metal Gear Solid. I'm a huge stealth game person, but you know, I had my niches growing up. I had to, I had to pick them. I didn't have a whole lot of money or, or access to other certain, like certain consoles. So I didn't have the privilege of it. And so now it's, you know, Metal Gear Solid like five came out in like 2014. So it's, it's been a while. Um, but if this is amazing, like this is a video game movie that you actually can have faith in. Um, and so I, I can't wait. Like he looks the part, he can act the part. And I could not agree more with you. Like, the fact that he, he's such a good actor, he's so charismatic, and even in that movie with him and Ben Affleck uh, that came out on Netflix. Triple Frontier? Uh, what was that called? Triple uh, Frontier. Yeah, which was not that great. He was still one of the best parts in it, and like, and that you know, I, it speaks to him 
and having this screen presence, that that X factor, if you will. Okay, so also, quick note, as I'm going to correct myself, as I was wrong about something, I said Snake Plissken. Snake Plissken is the Kurt Russell character in Escape from New York that also happens to have an eye patch and a beard. This is Solid Snake. There's a difference, which I'm just now realizing how similar those characters are um but also conspiracy theory but also i forgot to mention this movie's going to be directed by godzilla but not godzilla kong skull islands uh jordan vote roberts which i'm on board for because kong skull island is actually i think the best of the monster verse movies that we've gotten so far of godzilla kong and king of the monsters i really liked kong and that movie single-handedly makes me want to root for Kong in this upcoming movie, which we'll be talking about later. <clears throat> oh, boy. Um, I, I trust him because he's been so vocal about wanting to make this movie for so long because he's such a big Metal Gear Solid fan, which doesn't guarantee you a good movie. The guy that made the Dungeons & Dragons movie loved the source material. Didn't know how to make a movie, though. Um... I think you there's much fun to be had here. I know some people have talked about please have him hide in a cardboard box at one point. I'd be okay with that. Um, it's I really do think we're starting to reach a turning point with video game adaptations that people are going, yeah. oh, we can make these good. Well, it was my favorite. Detective Pikachu was a lot better than it had any right to be. The most recent Tomb Raider was fine. I think this will be good. HBO is doing that Last of Us series. Mark my words, Uncharted will be a lot better than you are giving it credit for, and Tom Holland will be awesome. Um, and I think this is no different. I think it's someone that's clearly passionate about the franchise and wants to do it as best as he can. And also, Oscar Isaac is another one, like Haley Steinfeld. Yes, he's been a bit hit or miss in the movies that he's in, but I've yet to see him be bad in anything. He's always bringing 110% in no matter what he's in. He was in Sucker Punch, and he was still good in that movie, and that movie's trash. Hmm. Yeah, that that's uh, he was in Sucker Punch. Yep, he looked like oh Gomez Adams from Adams Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, video game movies are having more potential because I think you're seeing fantastic storytelling now finally being noticed. Um, and you know this 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 gives me hope. I'm not saying I'd ever. Uh, I'm not that I would ever hold out hope for a Mass Effect uh, movie, but maybe in 60 years they'll have made something. Um, I said it last week, um, and I'll say it again. No, I said it two weeks ago in the last episode. I'll say it again now. Mass Effect would not work as a movie. I think it would be better as a series. Maybe like an Amazon series because they're shelling out all kinds of money nowadays for big projects. But um, I'm not going to lie. This next topic makes me very excited, and it's probably my favorite thing that we're going to talk about today, and that's saying something in an episode that we have spider-man news um so what were what just dropped uh not too long ago and seems to go under a lot of people's radar because it's not necessarily a character or a franchise that a lot of people have love or affection for currently but i think that's about to change we are getting a van helsing reboot from the director of a criminally underrated movie um from 2018 or 2019 i believe called overlord which basically if any of y'all ever played the wolfenstein games where you just shoot evil nazis it's kind of like a live action version of that it's a lot of fun um i am so so on board with this 
I have been clamoring for a Van Helsing movie forever. When Josh and I did our episodes of remakes, we actually want to see Van Helsing was very, very high on my list because I've seen the Hugh Jackman movie. It made me very, very sad because it's a layup in terms of a premise. You have a dude that hunts the world's most famous monsters and you resident eviled it or Underworld Awakenings or whatever the crap those movies are called. You just botched it. You blew it. <laughs> also, just everyone in that movie is entirely miscast and bored as all be it. Um, but Van Helsing as a character, there's a lot of interesting routes you can go with it. In the original version, he's kind of an old man. It's not that interesting. But as a foil for most notably Dracula, there's a lot of interesting stories. And I don't think Van Helsing was completely off base in that he hunts other creatures besides Dracula. I think, believe it or not, one of the best current versions of Van Helsing um, requires a quick spoiler alert. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert um, for the Netflix series Dracula. That's kind of like by the same guys that did uh, Sherlock. So this came out a year or two ago. Uh, and you meet a nun who is at her monastery or whatever, and Jonathan Harker from the Dracula story comes to her monastery. He looks all terrible. Uh, and then Dracula eventually comes looking for Jonathan Harker, and he's at the gates. Uh, and we've been really attached to this nun for a while, and she just is B.A., doesn't back down to anything, doesn't believe it's Dracula whatsoever. So she starts walking away from him, and one of the best reveals ever, Dracula just screams, Agatha Van Helsing! I know who you are. Because it was just like a... This, it's what the MJ reveal in Spider-Man should have been. Of, um, They got me to care about the character and then revealed who it was. But it was still in line with who the character was. Not like the MJ thing of... You did this reveal, but the character that you've introduced us to, I like her. But doesn't feel like the versions that I know in the past. That Van Helsing still felt like classic Van Helsing to me. Of going toe-to-toe with evil and not blinking. There's so many interesting and fun possibilities for this. Plus, guys, if you haven't seen it, it is super violent, but Overlord is so much fun. And that kind of frenetic energy mixed with Van Helsing is what the first Van Helsing should have been. But I'm worried, though, that the stank of the Hugh Jackman one still will linger on this project for a while. Because, unfortunately, when people hear Van Helsing, they don't think the man that goes toe-to-toe with Dracula and other monsters. They think, oh, that bad Hugh Jackman movie? So, maybe this is the movie's redemption? But, um, I know you're not as emotionally involved or attached to this, Michael, but you see a Van Helsing reboot is coming. Thoughts? I am interpreting it exactly how you're saying, that I'm like, oh, good, a chance to make a good Van Helsing movie, unlike that really bad Hugh Jackman one. Because uh, I couldn't even get through that when I was younger. I mean, even like as a sixth grader, 12 years old, it just likes just like stupid action. I went, I can't even stand this. This is really boring. Um, so, yeah, you're 100 percent right. I think it's cool. Honestly, like the MonsterVerse or at least what they're trying to do with it or not trying to do. I mean, I'm a sucker even for what Tom Cruise's The Mummy was. Okay, I know it was awful, but like I like the idea of what they're doing. I'm not saying I like the content, but I like the idea of taking this universe and, and putting effort into it. I'm not saying they put the best effort into it. They put no effort uh, into I like that. It. 
I understand, but again, the concept of it, like, oh, hey, look at it, let me reboot because they want it to cross over here, here, here. Like, I think that's cool. Um, um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've got nothing but bad memories associated with The Mummy. I was working at Universal at the time at The Mummy ride itself, and so they had, like, a big old plaster of The Mummy, like a big huge as you're exiting the ride. And I worked at the ride photos, and everybody would come up, uh, we haven't seen this movie, should we see it? I would tell guests to their face, do not watch this movie. Or people would be like, is this related to the Brendan Fraser one at all? I'm like, no, that one's fun and good. Um, well, the first one is at least. And I had some guests that saw it. And and I was like, oh, so you saw the movie? They're like, yeah. And every single one of them said it exactly like that. Like regretting the life choice that led them to see the Tom Cruise mummy movie. They spent a lot of money on that film, too. Do you know, we have any idea how much they lost? A lot. And now the Dark Universe is a joke. Because remember before it came out, they're like, here's Johnny Depp and he'll be playing the Visible Man. Here's Javier Bardem and he'll be playing Frankenstein. And here's Russell Crowe. He'll be playing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And they had like that picture that of all of them that was clearly not taken together, that they just photoshopped together. Um, but I think this is on the right track. Universal is like rebooting all their classic monsters, but seemingly doing it right this time by not making them connected because uh, because it's me. I'm always fascinated by this stuff. Every couple of years, Universal tries to reboot their classic Universal monsters with whatever current trend is going on. Uh, when yeah. they did it before with Van Helsing, it was coming off the heels of The Mummy, directed by the same guy, Steven Soderbergh. Um, and they were trying to make it like a big-budget action movie, and it feels very early 2000s. It feels like The Mummy, because it's by the same guy, except a lot less fun. Like, the charm... Because, admittedly, the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie is not a great movie. It's no. cheesy fun, though, and it is aware of that. Same. Um, yeah. I will say, though, Steven Soderbergh, um, Soderbergh was clearly a fan. Like, there's some nuggets in that original Van Helsing movie that you're like, okay, you have done your homework. You're passionate about this. Like, the opening in black and white and everything else. Um, there's interesting concepts in that movie. It was just so poorly executed. So, I'm looking forward to it being done correctly i van helsing is one of my favorite horror characters just because i like the good guys and he is like the stereotypical before laurie strode before there was sydney prescott and any of those other horror icons van helsing was the real og you don't mess with the original you don't mess with the classics so i'm looking forward for the opportunity to get it done right this time maybe do more of a suspense and actual horror aspect doesn't have to be action-packed just Make it scary. Make it different. Make it Van Helsing. That's your slogan right there. You're welcome, Universal. Now, I guess before, real quick. Now, if they're not going to be connected then, is he going to hunt monsters, do you think, that would actually have their reboots only a little bit later? Would that confuse him if like, he was to hunt down Dracula and kill Dracula? Just, just, just humor me for a second. In that movie, but then a Dracula movie comes out, and you're like, what? Is is he dead or not dead? Like, so who is he gonna fight if they're not gonna be a connected universe? I don't like, think they have to be connected. I could, they'd just be like, here, here's your monster for this movie. You're going after Dracula, um, and that's, and that's it. Like a Dracula that's completely separate because we've had a Dracula every couple of years. We don't mistake them for existing in the same universe. We know that the Gary I, Oldman okay. one is not in the same universe as a Luke Evans Dracula Untold. Dracula See, is Dracula. They don't. I think audiences are smart enough to go. 
okay, he's hunting Dracula. You don't think of a specific Dracula existing in a cinematic universe, so I don't think there will be a whole lot of confusion okay. there. I guess I'm just confused because I didn't know that those other Dracula movies existed. Uh, so, they, see, like, the filmmakers want somebody like me to come and see them to, in, order, in order for them to make more money. And I would it would confuse me if he was to kill Dracula in a movie and then a Dracula movie were to come out. Uh, because, again, I think the general public is predispositioned to believe in, like, a connected universe or we like to see that because of how successful Marvel has been. Like right. it's it's almost like we and I, and I know it's our fault, but it's like we already have that preconceived expectation. We do now. Well, right. <sighs> well, Van Helsing hunts down big scary monsters. There's some other big scary monster that we can talk about this week. Admittedly, oh. he's not that scary. But um, for those that don't know, we're getting a live-action Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. Uh, that's. I feel like it's been in development forever. I feel like th- I've heard about this movie for a very, very long time now. And we got our first look at it. And I'll give you this movie. He's clearly a red dog. Um, But something about it. Like, it doesn't look awful. But it looks like you dipped some poor dog in red paint. And went, okay, we're done, right? Like... Something about it. I can't put my finger on it, but something about it just is off. Like that's the word I'm going with. Just off. I don't know what how else to describe it. It it doesn't look like Clifford to me. It just goes, Oh, that's a cute little doggo that got caught running around in the red paint for a little bit. Either that or the blood of his enemies. Well, other the fact that the graphic looks like it was put together in Microsoft Paint Windows ninety eight. Hey, that was um, not me. That was not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I know. Sorry, excuse me. It has trademark by it. That's the actual artwork from the studio, not you. I'm uh, sorry, that's well, that the, Clifford that the, lo- the Clifford the logo I slapped in there, but the pictures of the dogs next to each other, that is well, from the studio. Well, that's that's what it, yes, I, I get, I guess I'm not doing, I'm not doing this justice. My apologies. The, the thing looks fake. Uh, and of course, that's the thing is that the four dogs there are real. The red pup is a CGI pup. It's not a real dog. They didn't, they did not, I mean, all they could have done is taken these pictures, photoshopped them, had an actual, this looks like a golden retriever puppy, put it in red paint and actually had him, you know, just sit down for a second. But they chose to CGI him for that 20 second spot. It's a CGI dog, okay? And you're putting him next to real dogs and you can tell. So this is like, oh crap. This is gonna look awful. Like it, it looks bad in the marketing, and for like a th- five or six seconds clip, I'm like, "Wow, that's a CGI dog." So first off, no one asked for this movie. I have fond memories of Clifford. I used to watch him along with uh, the Dragon Tales, along with Zabumafu, uh, W on um, WKR Dragon before Tales, school. Dragon okay. Tales. So, yes. Oh my gosh, it brings back memories. Don't ruin this. I will not see this movie. I discourage everyone from going to see this movie. This is not scary. You're right. This is not scary, Nate. This is terrifying. Like that's if, all I have to say. If you gave me like a checklist of Clifford the Big Red Dog, okay, check it is. It is red. Check. I, I'm assuming it's big. In contrast to the other dogs, it's big-ish. And check. That does look like a dog. It's it's better than whatever the Sonic design originally was. Um, so, like, <laughs> you've cleared that very small hurdle there. But um, it's just something about it. It's just is off. But also, 
I'm familiar with Clifford. I won't say he's my favorite just because even as a kid, the more I thought about him, the more it just doesn't really make sense because he grows to the size he is because Emily Elizabeth loves him so much. So kids, if your dog isn't big, it's because you don't love him enough and you're stunting his developmental growth. That's the tale that I got as a kid of like, so dogs are the size that they are depending on how much love they receive from their owners. That's horrible. Um, but also the thing is, I don't really know what the story of a Clifford movie would be. I'm afraid. I'm very worried that the story for this will be Emily Elizabeth has this gigantic dog. And I'm very worried that it's going to be the government finds out that she's got this big dog and they need to know why it's so big. And it's going to be, they're going to be chased by the government. It's going to be a superhero movie. I'm worried it will be. And well, that's like, what I want because it's ridiculous. Like, let's be ridiculous. Let's let's make it like Bolt, okay? But it's Clifford. Like, like please, like that would be an amazing, amazing movie to me because I would fall asleep in the first minute if this is like a I just have a big red dog and and that's just what I am and that's what I have. No, let's come on. Let's let the government come after. Let's let's make it ridiculous. Come on. But then I might be interested in seeing it, but not off this. You know what this looks like? This has the same feel as that Tim Allen movie where he turned into a dog. The shaggy dog. Yes. The uh, it has that same because like the way this little teaser way it's going for. It's kind of like that bottom of the barrel. Like I have I have eight kids all under the age of six and I need them to go see a movie. That's how the trailer came across for me. Like, uh, that's a hard skip. No, see to me, looking at this picture, looking at the graphic, if I just like move my hand over this, it's like a pet smart black Friday poster. <laughs> like no matter the size, big or small, we can feed your pet for years to come. <laughs> like, tell me that doesn't just look like a pet smart ad or like the, the banner at Walmart where you can get the pet food. Like, that doesn't look like a movie poster. It just looks bad and lazy. It, it looks. Well, I think I think this is more sad than anything because it, this means that I could have gone into graphic design and, and made much more money uh, than what I'm doing right now, and I, I've missed my third calling in life. <laughs> oh man! Well, this week's episode is sponsored by. HBO Max, because they're going to buy up everything else, why don't they? (laughs) If you would like to contribute to the downfall of the cinematic experience, buy HBO Max. I've already been suckered in. Why don't you, too? Oh, come on. No, (laughs) it's not going to be like that. Oh, you say. So, so, so. This was originally going to be just a news topic that we were going to talk about for a little bit probably just as much as we talked about the Spider-Man thing today. But no. As the days have progressed, more and more and more crap has just been added to the pile. I need that Jeff Goldblum gif. That's a big pile of crap. Um, (laughs) Because that's what this is becoming. So, for those that don't know, HBO Max just went from that annoying little brother of streaming services to the freaking Hulk that punches through drywall. Um... Like, I'm scared of HBO Max now. So what they have done is all Warner Brothers movies, because HBO, Warner Brothers are all owned by AT&T, all Warner Brothers movies 
for 2021 will be released on HBO Max and in theaters on the same day. So why go down the street to your local movie theater when you can just go to your living room and pop on whatever the big movies are coming out that week for no additional cost? Looking at you, Disney Plus with Mulan. Disney Plus now has his tail between its legs going, oh, we fall, feel called out here. But there's a lot to dissect here. Um, but first and foremost, they do this without telling any of the directors, filmmakers, producers, or smaller studios that they work with making these movies. So one of the movies coming out this year, Godzilla vs. Kong, was mostly um, financed by production company Legendary, as was, I believe, Dune. Yeah, Warner Brothers didn't tell Legendary that they were making these moves. They didn't tell director James Gunn, who's doing The Suicide Squad, that is coming out next year now on HBO Max. They didn't tell Denny Villeneuve, who's doing Dune, that they were doing this. Oh, boy. This is all a whole bunch of can of worms. Um, where do we even start with this, Michael? Uh that, this is a great question. So this is this is the we talked about atom bomb earlier. Well, let's talk about a, like an H bomb now. Uh, bigger size and scale and devastation here. Um, I'm just gonna first. I'm gonna first and say this. I still don't believe this is the end of movie theaters. I know that it's not technically the end of movie theaters, but I don't think that this is the start. I know that there's been a lot of speculation that because of the pandemic, that this is accelerated plans. And, um, you know, this was maybe four or five, even six years by 2030, maybe a full transition away from from movie theaters. And that I absolutely believe, because I just want to speak for the people that, you know, for for these films that that turn a profit, you're still speaking to the quote unquote average American and the average American still doesn't have the infrastructure or or the means to stream and then pay extra money um, as a premium for that experience. And if you were to give the average American a choice between what they have now and what they could go out in a theater, I think, I think the vast majority of people will still choose a theater. Um, and I think they, I think they will, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to die on that. I think it's going to be supported by the numbers because I don't think, I think people like, like the movie theater. Now you disagree, but let me, let me just have my piece here. Okay. So given that, I, I think this will, be a temporary reprieve because of the the health uh, the health uh, concerns that people have, but I do not think it's a long term solution. And I will say it's because of the means of average people. Now, I, get, I have to ask you: Are they now this now that my what I just said will go completely out the window if you answer this next question that I have for you in a certain way, and that is. What is the theater ticket price going to be versus the day one availability stream? Um, what what do you mean in regards to that? Like, what what's the ticket price going to be to see the movie in theaters? Uh, no, like, they, this is not. They're not. So they released it for what? They like the idea is uh, it's going to be available for a month, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a month and then it goes away. But aren't you paying not just to have HBO Max, but aren't you paying to actually see it? No. On top of that, no. If you have HBO Max, you can see the movie for no extra charge. You pay your 15 bucks a month for HBO Max, and movies come in just like they would for new Netflix or Disney movies. That's it. They're completely 
included with the price of HBO Max. There's no additional cost whatsoever to watch these. So, say the Suicide Squad, when it comes out in August, you can either pay 15 bucks to see it in your theater, or it's already included in your HBO Max and you can watch it at home in... 4K HDR because they've made it clear that all these movies, when they are available at launch, will be available in premium formats like HDR, 4K, Dolby Atmos, um, which depending on your theater, you're going to have more enjoyable experience watching it at home because they're putting this premium format forward depending on if your theater is up to date with technology or whatever else which some theaters are very quickly falling behind in terms of a pleasant viewing experience okay well that drastically changes my answer then that was what i was afraid of i thought i thought they were still you know i gonna ask for money because i i guess in that how does that how does that differ from the disastrous movie pass business plan. So this differs from movie pass because movie pass never owned the rights to the movies that they're pushing out. But also they tried to do underhanded dealings with the movie theaters. This is movies made by Warner brothers going on to Warner brothers streaming service. That's also going out to theaters. Like they're already going to theaters where regardless movie pass was basically trying to cheat the movie theaters out of the movie theater system while more or less kind of fitting in the movie theater mold. Like movie theater, if you looked into it, was movie pass was super sketch and it's amazing that they lasted as long as they did. Um, but those are movies that movie pass doesn't own the rights to. These are movies that Warner brothers already owns and is distributing. It's not like Warner brothers is doing, Hey, we have all these Disney movies, Included on HBO Max, so you could see it at launch. But if this does well, rest assured this will become the new norm, not just for HBO Max, but for Black Widow. Um, and I, the more and more this pandemic goes on, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Black Widow goes to streaming at the rate we're going. Um, if other Disney movies go day and day on both streaming on their platforms and in theaters. Um, yeah, there's no additional cost whatsoever. It's premium formats. It is, there's going to be 17 total movies. So let's look at, I have it up on my tablet here. Let's look up some of the biggest movies that you can either see in theaters or on the exact same day that they come out, you could watch them at home. Movies like The Matrix 4, The Suicide Squad, Dune, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, The New Space Jam. Uh, the new Tom and Jerry movie, Mortal Kombat, the next Conjuring, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's next musical, In the Heights, James Wan's next horror movie, Malignant, uh, King Richard, all these major movies that are supposed to be big box office movies are instead going to streaming. I think the big difference in what's making so many people mad is they're moving their entire slate. If you said one or two of these movies, maybe like, Mortal Kombat and Tom and Jerry are going straight to HBO Max the same day they're going in theaters. I think there'd be some uproar, but not to the level that we're seeing it. Like, these are not just major movies, all of Warner Brothers movies. This is a huge deal. Now, um, I think this is mainly a bad thing for movie theaters because this is the final nail in the coffin for them. Because, say you've got a family of six it's going to be so much cheaper to just watch this at home on your TV 
than pay the 10 to 15 bucks per person to see this in a theater. On the flip side, because I want to see at least some positivity on here. Say there's a movie that you're on the fence about. I'll be honest, Mortal Kombat. I am looking forward to the movie, but I'm not expecting it to be good because it was originally supposed to come out in January this year. Plus, it, it, I just don't know if it'll be good. Or The Conjuring 3. I love the first Conjuring. The second one, I think, is way too long and it kind of lost me. Those two types of movies, I don't know if I'd shell out the money to go see them in theaters, but if the option is available to watch them at home the same day that they come out in theaters, I'm probably going to watch them at home because it doesn't cost me anything. Um, I can see it. If it's good, I'll go back out and see it again in theaters. I, I still see how this works because the average the average movie ticket price in 2020, 2020 2019 and 2018 was $9.91. Again, somebody somewhere where I live, you can find them as cheap as uh, you can find them under $5. Now, granted, you're right. It's the only thing that's better is a bigger screen. Not saying it's better quality. But if you look at the confirmed dates for next year, that's 15 films like big films that are spaced out over the 12 months, that comes out to $149 rounding up versus if you were to pay 15 bucks a month and not necessarily watch all of the films either. That's the other thing is that you might pay $15 a month for January and February, but only watch one movie in January. Now you could, again, cancel and re-sign up, cancel, re-sign up. You could do that, but I don't know. I mean, there are people always going to do that. I mean, you're going to spend $180 in uh in 2021 if you start right at january and that's not even accounting i guess wonder woman so if you want to start in december and start up now so i i still don't see how they make a lot of money now we usually do when we take a blockbuster film what is it we take the budget multiply it by two and a half two times um normally in order to turn a profit what the movie theaters like box office return has to be for a profit to to come back net positive so my question is if you now have the distribution rights, what what changes? Is it now only like 1.75 adder or is it a two times multiplier? Because like what now because they own it, how much what, what like they don't have to make now as much more money in order to gain a profit. Right. I just that's that's my question. Or maybe they do. I just don't see how it's a financially beneficial thing because you have multiple people in a household. You know, you can I mean, I, I know somebody personally who has eight people in his household. Uh, movie theaters love it when he goes to a movie theater, and they don't have the capability of streaming. So those are either those people have to go over to another person's house, and now you have one household with like 15, maybe like 14 people watching the movie, but that one billing was only for $14.99 instead of all 14 of those people going out to a movie theater. Now, granted... They still have to pay for the ticket, and then you know they're paying you know popcorn, pop, all that stuff. So I don't know how the math long term works out. I, I I still am lost here. Long term, well, we'll get to long term in a second. Short term, I bet almost all of these movies are losses in their book. Like I'd be amazed okay. if with this, if any of these movies reach two hundred million dollars, just because it's a convenience factor. People would much rather. We are as much as you want to think otherwise we are in the minority when it comes to the movie theater going experience if you look 
to a lot of people, they would much rather watch something at home nowadays, which is unfortunate. And I don't think that's COVID related. I think we were heading that way with streaming. Uh, people just want the convenience factor. And I, for a lot of people, their setup at home might be better than their local theater, which is a shame because some theaters have just been behind the curve. AMC was doing a good job of renovating, and that's why they're in such deep financial trouble, which we'll talk about AMC in a little bit here. Um, but in the short term, these movies will lose money for the studio, obviously. But you forget HBO and Warner Brothers is owned by AT&T, who is literally made of money. AT&T, I think, will be okay with losing money in the short term if it means gaining money in the long term and the long term is streaming is the future disney learned that quick and that's why they put so much time and energy into disney plus and why they're continuing to do that and disney plus has 73 million subscribers when i think when that number came out the disney plus has 73 million subscribers that scared the ever-living crap out of hbo max because they're going, we are nowhere near that. Well, first of all, get your stuff on Roku and Fire TV, and then maybe you'd have more subscribers because you're alienating about 40% of your audience, idiots. Um, but also, guess what, guys? Since they're on Roku, Peacock has more subscribers than HBO Max right now. I think that genuinely spooked HBO Max because they know this streaming service is their future. And they need their future to look a lot brighter than it is a lot faster. Because right now, they are like, they're in fourth place in a three-person race, in, to put it in short term. Um, because they're so far behind. They stumbled out of the gate with this launch. I've had HBO Max since day one. And I I like it primarily because I never had HBO. So there's a lot of good content that I'm catching up on. And I like Warner Brothers Library. And I believe in the future of it. But I'm not blind. They had a terrible launch, and it was all self-inflicted. They didn't launch with Roku or Amazon or 4K support, anything. But I think they're them seeing their numbers of how truly far behind they are in the streaming wars right now, when they should have come out the gate blazing because of all the content that they already own, like DC, like Warner Bros., like Looney Tunes, Cartoon Network, uh, TNT, all that stuff. Um... I think this is a very reactionary, knee-jerk reaction of, oh, crap, we need to find 30 million subscribers as quick as humanly possible. Let's just dump every movie, whether that hurts us in the long term or not. Um, it's like, they're thirsty, so they drink poison, but they make everybody else around them drink the poison, too. Because this affects HBO Max, but it also affects everyone else. Because you tell me that this doesn't just light a fire underneath Disney Plus or Peacock or Netflix of going, now you guys need to figure out the next thing that makes you special compared to everyone else. Like, when this happened, everyone pointed at Disney and laughed going, hey, remember when you guys tried to charge us 30 bucks for Mulan? Yeah, these guys are going to give us movies for free. So there's always going to be that, what is the hook for people? And they're always going to try and one-up each other. This is a big hook. It is a right hook, if you will, to the movie theaters. Because this is, movie theaters are already on their dying breath. The stock market plunged on movie theaters when this news hit. Because, yeah, this is killer for them. And the head of AT&T was just like, this is a one-year solution. We're just doing this for 2021. Bullcrap. This is your future. 
unless it's unless it's just so poorly received. I mean, I mean, if I mean, there is a point at which it could be so poorly received. You're like, yeah, we are trying to do this ahead of our time, and and that's the thing is that Disney, you know, Disney's a lot like Apple, where they are not gonna try to trailblaze. They will let other people make those mistakes, um, and see if they can, you know. To, to see if like, Hey, is, is it a fertile ground or is the soil all dried up to use a metaphor? And if there is, they just come in. I mean, if the, if the, if the, the soil is going to produce a crop, Apple and like Disney will come in and they just do it better than everybody else. Uh, and, and so I, I don't like HBO max is doing this out of desperation. Their motive isn't pure. Like they're doing this to, for the sake of, I think being first. And to be honest with you, not a lot of those films, like you had just mentioned, even like Mortal Kombat, I'm not going to go see anyway. I'm not going to sign up for HBO Max to see those all those films. Uh, I was going to go see, you know, I was going to go, I was going to see, you know, Wonder Woman. I was going to see, um, I was going to see Kong versus Godzilla. But you know, the fact that I physically can't right now because of my state uh, and its procedures, um, that unfortunately that's the only option. I'm glad I have that option. Um, but I, I don't know, man, I, I'm still not sold that this is, a, that this is the short term. I, I think movie theaters are going to be okay, but I think what this will do is it's going to force movie theaters that once they actually get some capital again, to really take a look at how they do things. Because if there's anything that we talk about in, in America, it's very rare to see a full industry die. Um, and We've seen innovation. I'm not saying that that like old technology fades out, but when it comes to like social interaction, social gatherings, this is so unique that I don't think it just goes away within one year. It might accelerate it, sure, but man, I, I don't. Uh, maybe that's just um, just optimism holding on. Um, but I, I'm actually, I don't. I saw this news. I'm like, yeah, it's big news, but I, I still don't think this is the death to movie theaters. I, I just, I refuse to believe it. Um, that it's that sucker punch blow. I just. I have a different gut reaction to it, though, Nate. I know we know we disagree, but it's my story. I, I'm sticking to it for now. I think you believe that because you want to believe that. Like you. Oh, want... I know. I mean, I know I'm biased. Of course, I'm biased. Like I, I want the theaters to survive as well, but I know I'm in a minority when it comes to actually going to the theater anymore. I believe that Avengers Endgame will be the final big blockbuster that we see because after that it'll all be at home viewing. Um, I think this will go over extremely well with consumers and that's about it because as we talked about at the beginning, we'll dive into more now consumers will like this option, but it is pissed off everybody else. Christopher yeah. Nolan, uh, who released his movie theatrically this year called tenant. It was supposed to be the savior of the box office and it came off. Not as much as that. And he's getting eaten alive by people on social media. And But I don't think he's wrong in this aspect of he basically called them out of people went to bed. I think his exact verbiage was people went to bed believing they worked for the best movie studio in the world. And they woke up realizing that they now work for the worst streaming company. And I'm going, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> whole, what are your real thoughts there, Nolan? Um, Nolan is a cinematic purist. He wants everything to be seen in theaters, basically, in the best possible way. Um, but, like we said earlier, he did not know this movie was coming. James Gunn, who did The Suicide Squad. James Gunn, who, when he was released from Disney, fired, 
uh, for BS reasons. He could have went anywhere. He went to Warner Brothers with the Suicide Squad. Now I bet he's second guessing that. Um, somebody that's suspiciously quiet about this. Um, maybe because we haven't heard anything from him since Rise of Skywalker, but somebody that I'm very curious about his thoughts about all this because he's supposedly to be the face of it going forward is J.J. Abrams. No one's talked about Abrams in months, but guys, remember about a year and a half ago, pre-pandemic, I know it's so long ago, back in July, he signed that $500 million contract for exclusivity with Warner Brothers. That's across both streaming and in theaters. So does that move him solely to like a streaming aspect? Um, no one's talked about that in a while. And I think he's going to be a very, very big factor of this going forward. Um, this is going to suck to say out loud. But do not be surprised if in the next year or two, Man of Steel 2 exclusively on HBO Max just like the Snyder Cut is I would not be surprised if Warner Brothers um they know they're in the crap right now with their creators and there's a potential boycott coming because they didn't let anybody know I wouldn't be surprised if HBO Max just doubles down on this they're like well we're in the crap already let's just push all of our stuff in push all the chips into this um yeah there's a boycott coming also supposedly um directors writers everybody going no we signed up for our movies to come out theatrically because when you release a movie in theaters you get a certain bonus if it's in your contract of like if the movie makes this much money you get this much money in return um and now that's not gonna happen with some of these movies like uh wonder woman not part of the 2021 release. So let's let's go with something else. Uh, the Suicide Squad. Say the Suicide Squad would have made $800 million theatrically. There's not a chance it's making $100 million now. It'll be a right. miracle if it makes 200 That's a miracle, I think, now. Um, so any capital James Gunn could have made on that, like any special bonuses, that's got to be renegotiated or it's completely out the window. And right. so AT&T is either going to eat these bonuses or they're going to have a lot of legal trouble of getting them out of these situations. So there's like, it's not just a, this is in my eyes and a lot of other people's eyes, optimistic Michael over here, which is a good thing. Uh, this is the death of the movie theaters, but it's not just that. AMC, like HBO Max just really stepped in it big time. And I don't, I think they knew that there's going to be some blowback. But this is more blowback than I think anybody could have expected. And just sheer stupidity on their part. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it changes. I mean, as I'm testing the water, I, I don't know, man. Uh, this is, I mean, for, for the for the movies that were made during the pandemic, they, they're just looking at out the, the charts saying there's no way we make money on these anyway. But maybe they can garner some support. Uh, in like back channels of saying like you know based on movie theater outcast like the movie theaters might not recover for two years like the airline industry right how uh, people have forecasted that it's going to take three full years for the airlines to recoup all of their losses this year um and so you won't see like the numbers and the confidence of consumers and travel maybe that's what they're looking at so this is a temporary solution uh, for the for the films that had already gone into production and that were already made 
on these massive budgets. So the money was already spent. So they're like, well, how can we get these to consumers the fastest? So maybe that's the sacrificial lamb that they've done. They've just maybe have been willing to be more honest with that um, and say, yeah, we're going to, without saying it. I mean, they're, they're saying it without saying like, yeah, we know this money, these movies are not going to make any money. So we're just going to release them direct to customers and try to capitalize as much as we can because movie theaters aren't coming back because of public um, skepticism and lack of confidence and, and safety and health. So, I mean, that's the thing too. Let, let's say that everything was gone. Uh, the, the, uh, the pandemic was over. It never happened. And every economy and every store, all the restaurants, bars, you name it, were all open tomorrow. Would you think if Wonder Woman came out tomorrow as well, it says, hey, everyone's open, come see us. Do you think there'd be this massive you know, exodus from our homes to go see something like that? Um, I uh, doubt it because, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. If this was a few months ago, I would have said yes. People would have gone back to the theater in droves because I was saying for months and months, um, whatever the first movie is to open up when movie theaters are open again, it's the luckiest movie in the world because it's going to make a lot of box office. That was not the case. I think even if, um, we are a hundred percent clean tomorrow. There's still going to be some apprehension just in general oh, sure. about like, I don't know if I want to go back to the theater, but also this started in March. So people have spent a lot of time and gotten used to the idea of watching things yeah. at home. You and I may still yeah. like to go out to the theater. I think this has trained people to get used to watching things at home and people are starting to like to watch things at home. We live in like a Netflix world where people can just binge or add to their queue or just watch things at their earliest convenience as opposed to going to a theater. You and I are the exception. We like watching things in the theater in the best possible format we can watch. A lot of people, you hear me complain about HBO Max not being in 4K. The average Joe Schmo person does not care about that to be like oh this is an hd that's whatever that's fine it's it's yeah. a movie i'm excited to see i don't right. think the general population cares about seeing a movie in theaters anymore i don't think they want mm. theaters to go away i think they want that of choice to be available to them but i think the public perception is that they want to be able to watch things at home that's not how i want things to be but not everything is catered to me and that's perfectly good that's what makes the world the way it is of what pleases the most amount of people, not just a specific niche. I don't think movie theaters ever fully die. They might go the way of the drive through the not drive through drive in of they exist, but a very special select group of people go out and see them. I think in the next yeah. couple of years, we'll see a dramatic reduction in the theaters in the number of theaters out there, but theaters will still be around but the dominant way of watching things will be at home on your tv not in the theater anymore and that sucks but some of these like i'll still see in the theater because that's the way to go i am looking forward to godzilla versus kong there's not a chance in heck that i'm watching this at home that needs to be seen on the biggest possible screen and I imagine, I get why Legendary would be mad. One, they didn't know, but two, you make a movie called Godzilla vs. Kong, that is not meant to be seen on your 55 to 60-inch TV, no matter what right. your surround no, system is. That's supposed to be seen on IMAX, the biggest screens possible. That's supposed to be, shake it, you feel it in every bone in your body, that 
Kong is going to kill Godzilla. That's that's my prediction. Um, yeah. But... I, buddy, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I don't know, man. This just doesn't... None of it feels right. None of it makes sense. And I keep... You know, when something doesn't make sense, you have to ask, well, in what context would it make sense? And I guess it's maybe this... This uh, admits that, you know, that these films, you know, are going to get a loss. They just need to kind of minimize the loss. Uh, but for the movie theaters themselves, I, I guess that'd be an interesting question for me to post tomorrow is which which one would you prefer, um, streaming or or theaters? And I, I think the results may surprise you. I really you know, do. Yeah, but very, very well. They very well might. Um, and... You know, I, I guess your question for HBO Max: When is 4K support coming? Is it is it coming like the day that they released Wonder Woman? Well, here's the thing: um, they've said it's coming, and they said Wonder Woman will be available will be available in 4K. Which I'm just going, okay, what formats? Because again, um, you have it on PlayStation, but the only PlayStations that play 4K is PlayStation Pro. You don't have HBO Max for some reason on PS5 for those lucky people that have ps5s which that's just weird to me um, that's very strange yeah you're right uh they okay. don't have it on roku at all but i i'm imagining they'll have it on roku by christmas for the wonder woman release um you can have it on cast but again you can cast hbo max but again you would need the proper 4k support like you would need a uh chromecast ultra i believe is what casts yeah, that 4k yeah, um yeah. or a 4k fire stick um, so you need the proper support. So yes, they can say you can watch Wonder Woman 4K or any of these new releases, but until they have a readily standard 4K format, the audience that can actually watch this in 4K is very, very limited. So I don't fully understand that, but cool. You should have had 4K at launch, basically, because you have so many of your titles. Every DC movie that's come out in the past 10 to 15 years is in 4K. So I don't get why they don't have more 4K options or 4K options, period. Disney Plus surprised people with having so much 4K content and remastered all the Star Wars movies but didn't tell people until launch of, oh, hey, we have Star Wars in 4K just for you guys. Um, but kind of to bring this around full circle, if this does well, if this does well or does poorly, just projecting in your own mind, Michael, how do you think this will affect the other streaming services like a Netflix, like a Disney Plus, like an Amazon, like a Peacock, whatever else? Well, I guess in, in the same way that this idea that we've the idea of like cutting the cord is a joke, you know, because we've just traded that for just being able to maybe skip some advertisements while paying a, a, just as much of a premium, if not more, to get access to the same content. Oh, no, not even um, close same to the same of content. content. Not even close. I hate that I argument. Mean, it, I hate that cord-cutting argument because well, older generations are like, you're just doing what we did with cable. Um, No, we have no commercials. We can watch thousands upon thousands of more hours of content and find specifically what we want whenever. And there's also just more content and ready to watch whenever. So it's not the same as cable yeah, I, I, but whatever for me it is for me it is from the budgetary standpoint like, i mean yeah i'm not saying you're getting like an actual return but you're paying more money and so again it's just another way of it just it just yes turns but, into something more i'm not saying it doesn't get better of course it got better so like, would you rather all pay of this has gotten better. 
Would you rather pay 50 um, bucks for cable or 50 bucks in streaming? Yes, they're the same monetary value, but one of them you're getting significantly more quality value. So I don't mind spending money on something that is quality content as opposed to cable. I'll watch three channels and have to suffer through 15 minutes of commercials for an hour programming. Unless you just like live sports and you don't have the budget to pay you know, 60, 70 bucks a month for internet. That you don't you, that you actually didn't have to have prior, um, and then because you had places like Family Video, like oh man, Family Video. Uh, I can't. The only reason, by the way, the only reason why uh, Family Video is all still open in my town is because of the certain substance and. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you're talking but, about uh, the candy at the checkout counter, right? That's that's correct. I love their Snickers. Um, the uh, I, I, I will say that this. The other companies will follow suit if it succeeds, but they will come in and do it better. Mm-hmm. Like again, like Apple. And I, I'm an Android fanatic, but I will say Apple learns. They're again, they're not trailblazers because oh. they don't have to be. They I don't forgot. have to be. I forgot Apple even had a streaming service. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah, um, I don't, I'm just referring to their phones, uh, like because like you know Apple doesn't lead and 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 innovate or in certain areas because their Android counterparts will do it. They won't do it very well. The they'll get the the feedback from the consumers, and then they'll say a couple of years later, Apple will quote unquote reinvent something where us Android fanboys will be like, we've had that feature for years. And then Apple fanboys will go, yeah, you did, but it's also been terrible. Look how good we've done it. And we're like, Oh yeah, that's actually a good point. So you'll have Disney plus come in. You have Disney and Disney plus come in. They'll follow suit, but they'll do it because they'll do it much better because it'll be a much smoother process. They have the infrastructure there. There won't be with Disney. There would never have been. A, well, is Disney Plus available on certain things like a PS5, PS4 situation? There wouldn't have been, no, well, 4K support's kind of there. That never would be Disney. It's so unprofessional. It's so scatterbrained. They will come in, follow suit, do it better, and with better content for the most part, arguably. And people will rejoice and say, look at Disney Plus. Um, and, and so I guess that's the way of doing it. And if it, if it bombs... If it bombs and is uh, like the worst, one of the worst financial decisions we've seen in quite some time, then guess what? All these other companies will have lost nothing because they didn't do anything. They're just going to wait. They're going to wait a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if they wait for the vast majority of 2021, honestly, because this has been a huge public backlash, like you said, and they are going to allow, you know, HBO Max to step on the proverbial landmine and see how big the explosion is. So we we actually might be able to see within a few days how the industry reacts to this because um, so we're recording this on the eighth, on the tenth. Expect a ton of Disney news because they have a shareholders meeting, and I I bet you anything they'll announce a whole bunch of projects um, to present to shareholders of. Yes. We're in the craps right now with box office and with revenue, but look at all the things we've got coming out soon that could potentially save us um, money-wise. And here's some inventions that we might be considering for Disney+. Plus. That could just be me, but I wouldn't be surprised if Disney's already internally considering some changes to the system and ways to 
compete with HBO Max's move. It's a chess game. You make a move, it yeah. could be a really stupid move, but um, right. you've got to counter that move somehow. And your move could be not moving at all. Right, exactly. But there's going to be move, I'm sure. Yeah, this is not a highly reactive. They respond. And, they, and I think anything short of them just, you know, acknowledging what they're doing and saying, we, we constantly look for ways to innovate and, and connect with our with our consumers. And we at Disney are still striving to to meet the customer's needs at, at the highest level. Some, some PR crap like that. Um, well, Disney's and, full of PR crap. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying like anything short of that, like anything beyond that, I would I would deem it as highly reactive and actually out of character. Mm-hmm. Um, be, Disney is methodical; they choose their spots. They do not let. Th- this is key. You're gonna have to really point to me in this la- like since we have come of age now as as millennials. You're really gonna have to point to me to see to give me any example where Disney has um, been is allowed other companies to dictate their behavior i'm not talking about making dumb moves like for because they've just made dumb moves like hey look at you know the last jedi happened uh and the rise of skywalker they are their own company they don't let other people dictate their strategy and I would think if they came out and said, yo, we're going to plan on doing this too, I would see it as a desperate attempt to grab headlines. And that's Disney doesn't do that. They they are their own brand. They are above and more powerful than anything. They will move when they want to move on the chessboard. Other people's moves and potential cuts into the market does not intimidate them at all. So that so I think there's going to be different, different stuff to talk about. I don't think this will be a story. Yeah, well... What do you guys think about all this? This is a lot to break down here with this move that HBO Max has done to release all of their movies on both HBO Max and in theaters on the same day, all their 2021 movies. Uh, Is there any movie in particular you guys are looking forward to? Maybe the Tom and Jerry movie, Mortal Kombat, The Suicide Squad, uh, Malignant. Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on. Whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.